Welcome to the Crypto Assets and Blockchain Podcast. Famous altcoin. So 
So we have cryptocurrency as a term, we have altcoins, and then get into the territory uh, where you look at things like Kin or Steam, then people use terms like shitcoins or again altcoins in the case of Kin. Um, it's made as a key messenger platform. And if you go to Steam, which we heard about before, a yeah, social media application that uses a blockchain in the background, and people refer to it as a social media coin, or even a, a pre-mined scam coin. But there is a problem with it. And the problem is, if you go to Konstantin and you get robbed by some kids out there in hoodies, and your only tool you have to defend yourself as a banana, then you're definitely using the wrong tool. And the mental models and the language we often use to, to talk about cryptographic tokens are also kind of flawed. Why is, why is that? So the cryptocurrency space and the blockchain DLT space, call it as you may, is growing and has evolved. So it all started with the core crypto community that apparently formed around Bitcoin in the beginning. So the, since it is a very pure cryptocurrency, um, it made a lot of sense that people spoke about cryptocurrencies. But then the ecosystem evolved and more and more use cases and experimental models were formed. And not all of them remain, as we, we will see in a minute, um, a cryptocurrency in by the strictest terms. And what's happening today, we also talked about um, regulators, lawmakers, or business decision makers who are increasingly concerned with and thinking about um, blockchain technology, cryptocurrency, ICOs, and all these things. And coming from within the community, it becomes increasingly more important to be pretty precise and specific about what we are talking about. And the language, like from cryptocurrencies to shitcoins, definitely doesn't do a good job at being very precise and nuanced about what we are talking. So what we really need to make good decisions, be it investment decisions, be it creating smart regulation for the field, or starting your own project and designing a, a token model, a token economy that works, is definitely clarity and precision. Because obviously a nuanced understanding usually helps with making better decisions. So that's the reason why we created the token classification framework. And now I'll give it back to you. Yeah, the token classification framework is mainly as a tool. Um, for everyone out there, so for you and um, everyone else interested in this topic. And we'll give you a short overview um, how it looks. So this is of course only a kind of bird's eye view. We're going uh, to go through each of them. Um, but what I want to encourage you is to really um, look at this and um, we pasted the link here. Um, it's on the Untitled Inc. Uh, website and then you can explore um, all the dimensions in detail because it's quite complicated um, on the first, at the first glance, but once um, after three minutes or so you will grasp it and then it will be much easier for you to think about um, 
crypto tokens, ICOs, and evaluate the white papers. So today, when you read the white paper, it's quite hard to understand, okay, what kind of thing um, uh, are they offering, what's the technological layer, and so on and so on. And the token disclosure framework will um, aid you, will help you to better evaluate um, coins. So what's the first dimension of um, the classification uh, framework? Mm. Classification framework uses five different perspectives to classify um, the tokens. So the first one is the technical layer. So is a token built um, on a blockchain uh, native layer, so is it a blockchain native token, or is it something um, which is a non-native protocol such as ERC20 and so on. The second perspective is the purpose. So what is the purpose of the token? Is it really meant as a cryptocurrency, or is it more, uh, for example, a network token um, where the intention is to provide network value? What's the underlying value? This is the third dimension. Um, is the underlying value an, an asset? Is it something like um, USDT, so backed um, by some uh, real world uh, fiat, um, for example, or is the value really the network itself, uh, like a scheme? The fourth dimension is utility. So what is the utility of it? Is it um, a work token, usage token? Can you do something with it? Or is it maybe um, a mixture of both? And uh, fifth, of course, very important perspective is the legal status. Is it um, a security token or um, is it something else? And um, according to the perspectives, um, the framework classifies um, tokens in um, three different categories per perspective. And it's important to uh, keep in mind that these perspectives are not mutually exclusive, but they are kind of different angles, different viewpoints of looking um, at the tokens. And as you can see here, we have three different categories per perspective. So the first one, as I said, um, is technical layer, so is it blockchain native? or is it non-native, um, maybe it's also the app uh, token. The second perspective, is it meant as a cryptocurrency, like a Bitcoin, for example, or is it much more um, something like a network token, um, which is, um, for example, um, Ether, or is it even an investment token, something like New Fund, what New Fund tries uh, to do. And the third perspective is the underlying value, that we have also three categories, is it asset-backed um, somehow? Is it really a network value token? Um, or is it kind of a share-like token? So can you participate in um, some kind of increase, price increase? A fourth perspective, once again, also three perspectives. Um, usage token, work token, or is it a mixture of both? And of course, um, the debates going on the legal um, space. Is the token um, a pure utility token, or is it classified as security, um, or again, is it a cryptocurrency? And Thomas will go through all these um, different perspectives with some very concrete examples as well. Great. So, I suppose you can't probably read it, but that is okay, because I will talk to you through some of the interesting parts, and obviously we want you all to go on the website, download the framework, it's also a Creative Commons license, so you can even iterate on it or, or uh, post on your blog or whatever. 
So we have all these dimensions and all those different types in this framework. So the detective layer is really simple to understand. It's looking at on which layer is implemented, as Andrani said before. Why is that interesting? It is interesting, for instance, if you look at a new project, for instance, because you think about uh, should you or shouldn't you invest into the ICO. Um, if you do a blockchain-native token, you need your own proprietary or your own blockchain. And if you want to have your own blockchain, you need to build it, set it up accordingly, which definitely increases complexity. Whereas if you do something that is using existing infrastructure, like most of the ESG20 tokens out there that use the Ethereum blockchain, then it becomes simpler to pull it off. But it also makes sense to understand the difference between DApp and uh, a, a non-native protocol token, for instance, because the upside is different. Because if you do a protocol token, the idea is to build an open source protocol that enables other people to use it as well. So one example for this would be um, the RAP token by um, the decentralized Oracle project, um, and that's very interesting, so probably some of you might be familiar with prediction markets, and in this case, the token is used for oracles, these are the providers of information into the network, um, to provide, say, okay, did an event happen like this, and provide the, the example. And basically, the protocol allows oracle providers to be incentivized for doing so. But if you want to do something else than a prediction market, you can also use this protocol, meaning there could be many use cases using that protocol token. If you look at purpose, um, one purpose of a token can be to build a cryptocurrency. Bitcoin clearly set out to build a cryptocurrency. If you read the white paper, it's meant as a medium of exchange, and it's nowadays also often referred to as a store of value. But many tokens aren't meant as a global cryptocurrency, and the people who issue it or the networks that use it don't foresee it as becoming a global currency, but instead see it as something that is used within their network. That is why we refer to a network token. In that instance, it might be a means of payment, it definitely is a unit of account in this network, but it's not primarily a cryptocurrency. Um, outside of the network. And then there are some tokens, they are just investment tokens. Um, it's sometimes questionable um, from a legal perspective, but there you invest either into an asset class or you invest um, into the issuing entity, basically. It's also really interesting and fascinating to look at the underlying value. Many people actually wonder why is that token worth anything? Um, there are three major categories. If it's asset tech, that's pretty obvious because it's basically an IOU um, that we are so maybe backed by gold, and if hopefully the, the issuing entity has the gold um, in its, I don't know, storage states, wherever you, wherever you have the gold. Really, the most fascinating category is what we call network value tokens, because a network value token um, basically quantifies the value of the network in which the token is being used. So you might be familiar with all those projects that are like the Uber on the blockchain, 
or Airbnb on blockchain. Um, in these cases, the tokens, um, depending on how they are designed, should, in, at least in theory, reflect the value of the network. And in the internet economy, we have all seen that network effects are actually very, very valuable, and most lucrative internet businesses are network businesses, and blockchains um, transform this field. Last but not least, share-like tokens, they again are rather obvious if the value of the um, underlying um, or the, the issuing entity or the underlying asset increases, then the value of the token should um, increase as well. Then utility, we heard about this before, it's uh, rather simple actually, there are three main categories, usage tokens allow you to use a service or get, get access to features of the, the network that is created. Um, it's basically like a paid API key. Um, your work tokens, those are people to make contributions to the network, so if you look at um, all the talk about proof-of-stake blockchains, those tokens are then uh, work tokens. And finally, um, you have hybrid forms that have both, both features. And the legal perspective, but I'm not a lawyer, but to, to keep it really simple, you have utility tokens that do basically nothing except providing utility within a, a network. You have um, security tokens that are classified or will be uh, classified as a security, and you have cryptocurrencies, which at least in the German jurisdiction, um, their, their basket has a pretty precise statement what a cryptocurrency is. There are certain criteria like not being uh, issued by a central entity, and then, for instance, it doesn't uh, fall under e-money laws. But obviously, that differs from jurisdiction to jurisdiction. So, if we quickly go back to the coins we showed in the beginning, what what would come out? If we look at classic uh, at Bitcoin. It is a blockchain-native token that is a cryptocurrency. It's a network value token, that's where value comes from. It's a usage token, and it's a cryptocurrency. Then if we look at Ether, it's also blockchain-native, but it's not a cryptocurrency, but it's a network token. It is used to access different things in the um, Ethereum network, and it's basically a utility of infrastructure. Therefore, it's a network value token. By the way, some categories, we also have archetypes in the full picture because some things often go hand in hand with each other, like network tokens, mostly being network value tokens as well. Um, it's a usage and utility token. KIN, interestingly, has many of the parameters of other cryptocurrencies. However, it's not built on its own blockchain. Therefore, it's not a native blockchain token, but merely an ESC20 token, which is kind of interesting. And then Steam um, is also a network token on its native blockchain um, and allows you to, to yeah, access and earn money from your content in the Steam network. And I think, in summary, that is a, a more nuanced and more precise way to think about tokens and look at them. So by all means, we hope that is A, useful, it's obviously definitely still in development as this field is, yeah, there's a lot of innovation going on, new token designs emerge, so it's not a static thing, 
you can even contribute to it, leave us comments if you see things that the framework doesn't reflect, um, get in touch. Yeah, so we are very open um, also to your feedback and um, in further developing the framework. So please get in touch um, and have a look at the framework itself um, and tell us where it helps you uh, and also where you see further potential for development. We would be um, very excited to work with you um, also on that. It's a Creative Commons license, so very, very open. So thank you very much again for the community and um, yeah, thank you.